Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. Yeah, right. <laughs> bleachers are open. Yeah. Uh, yeah, working nailing down my New York accent for this week. This is going to be our U.S. Open preview, and of course, we're going to bring back our good friend, the president, the mayor of San Clemente, <laughs> the owner of every San Clemente municipal record, John Adams. How you been, dude? I've been good. Yeah, that's uh, you know just dealing with the COVID thing and trying to get back to work and you know so that means i get to play a little bit more golf and you know just uh been hanging out at the pride of the pacific there at the muni in san clemente and uh you know watching some golf so we're looking forward to a big week so so how much should i mean i think this is the first time we've had uh john on since the uh what was it the the pga, PGA. Uh, championship PGA. yeah that uh we took all of john's information do we do we take the opportunity to gloat a little bit and say how good we are well, I think I think you know one time is luck, maybe two times is a, a skill. So let's see if we can take the notes that he gave us, the weather information, all the stuff we're going to learn today on the Bleacher Blooms podcast. Yep, and let's combine that into something magical. And if we're able to kind of predict the top five or the top ten finishers in this in this one, John's coming back every major tournament, tournament, and we're going to start. Uh, don't don't betting on it right at this point yeah seriously yeah. well it, it's funny you bring up the don't bet on it because by the end of this thing when uh, we start talking a little bit about the players i've actually got the odds of the top 10 so we will uh, dig in that to, into that a little bit uh but Dustin well first Johnson, of all i want to congrats i want to well, i want to congratulate you on picking colin uh, colin your boy from cal to win the pga okay. so we're gonna bring so, it yep, you know, go ahead yeah, well done there <laughs> <laughs> yeah well done yeah front runner yeah exactly <laughs> You know, there was a lot of skill in the way on the numbers. Yeah, there's a lot. Is this guy a Cal Bear? I'm gonna go for that guy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's like when when uh, when your wife does a fantasy football draft, they go, "What color is the team?" That's basically what I did. (laughs) Exactly. It's like this. It's like okay, yeah, yeah, we'll take that guy right there. (laughs) That guy's gonna be a winner. I got something on him. Well, it might be a little bit different because they're they're playing in in New York at Wingfoot, but Dustin Johnson. Just to give him a little bit of credit, is uh, the FedEx Cup winner, which basically is the best golfer in this season. Uh, thoughts on Dustin Johnson and how he finished his season there, uh, Johnny Adams? Because I thought it was pretty damn impressive that a guy that hits it that long, figured out the wedges, and oh my gosh, did he figure out the putter. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of things happen there. You know, uh, you got to give him kudos. Uh, he just was actually received player of the year from all of his players, all the Tour, players on yeah. the PGA Tour. So that was a, a big accomplishment. I know that some people um some critics actually thought that justin thomas should have won it because he won more tournaments uh you can see you can say that exactly xander's shot play beat him in georgia at east lake but he was granted the 10 shots which helped <laughs> him you know go on wouldn't that be nice just to show up and go i'm 10 under how are you guys you know so <laughs> and be um, as good as he is yeah. right exactly. you do that yeah. you do that for me every time we play together i'm like all right john, john gave me 10 <laughs> shots true. and it's yeah. like nail biting time at the end 10 or 12 shots every time so so um but i mean you got to give him the last four tournaments right he goes two seconds and two wins and um you know very impressive there even though he didn't win at olympia fields uh 
in Chicago, but he still makes a 25 footer down the hill to tie Rom to go into. Extra that was holes. an unbelievable but, tournament. Yeah, yeah, and and I'll tell you, um, you know, those guys that were actually in contention there are the guys to kind of look at be, for this week because the rough was. Uh, did they shoot? I think they shot even par or one. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they one over maybe like so. Olympia Fields was set up like an open championship. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, DJ is is got it grooving. Um, I think he's probably going to be putting in a driving iron this week, and you know how you, you can't throw him out of your top five because just the confidence building right now is is through the roof with him right now. He's just uh, he's got everything. You know, he's worked with Claude Harmon on keeping. If you notice, like when he goes to putty, he brings in his right right elbow, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's he's working on putting stroke and. And he's, you know, he's, he's checked all the marks. That's for sure. The, all the boxes, I should say. So with that being said, you just mentioned also that he was voted player of the year. He's won the FedEx cup. So he's got mad money. He's got the awards. He's got the trophies. We already have one major out of the way. Do you think these next couple of majors, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if you can actually lump the masters in there, but is there less shine on the majors moving forward? No, there's what's happening is is getting these guys uh, to to jump on the schedule. So the schedule's been totally shifted differently. So there is no open championship. So there is only three majors this year, right? So after the, the open US is open, the one played in in Europe. Yes. No, just yeah, so everybody the open knows. Championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that has been completely canceled, and that will be so. Shane Lowry will keep that all the way through this next year or this year, oh, wow. and and defend next year. So, but. After the Open, there's a little bit of a break, and now you're playing the Masters, which is the very first weekend of April, is now in November. So different conditions. It's going to be colder in Georgia. It's just going to, you know, winds are going to be different. It's, it's going to be all different. So these guys having to adjust. This golf tournament here was supposed to be played in June. Now it's being played in September. So adjusting to uh, just the, the uh, you know, the, the schedule has been – the hard part because man, you blink your eyes and you went right through the FedEx cup, just like in four tournaments yeah. and boom, you know, there it is. Right. So um, those are the kind of things that they're having to adjust to because usually once November hits, I want to say, you know, well, let me, let me back up. The season just started last week in Northern California. <laughs> so that that's another weird thing, right? So yep. the first tournament of the year just happened last week, but the masters is being played in November so a guy like Daniel Berger doesn't know if he's going to get into the Masters this year, but he knows for sure he's in next year. You know, oh, wow. so those kind of – yeah, so it's it's weird. So – and then you have COVID thing. You had two players that tested positive. One of them's playing really well, Scotty Scheffler. Um, the oh, other wow, kid really? was uh, out of Europe. Yeah, yeah, Horsfield, uh, Sam Horsfield. They, 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 uh, they tested positive this week, so they're out. So a couple guys like Rory oh. Sabatini and somebody else got in. So – but – um, but yeah, it's, it's just them adjusting with the schedule because they believe me, they're on a routine by the time yep. October hits, they know exactly what their schedule is all the way throughout, you know, next October. So it's just, you know, them having to mentally prepare for the masters in November is a big thing, you know? All right. So let, so the shine's still there. The masters still mean, I mean, the, the majors still mean something to these guys. Total, why don't you get us started here as we talk about the U S open playing at Wingfoot, man. Yeah, well, um, you know, we want to go out there and drink some beers and watch these guys hit the ball. No, um, you know, I, I appreciate Boy. you saying that. 
You know what? You can reach us at bleacherblums.com and you can tag our waiters. Tip your waiters. They'll be here all week. What John, what John said is really, um, uh, I think, uh, I don't know, apropos in the sense that we talk about all the time with baseball players and their routine and people, we're not very big on superstition, but we're certainly big on routine. Now, you know, watch these guys adjust their batting gloves and take, you know, deep breath and like step out and all the stuff, but you forget about the routine of the season. And we've seen it with baseball with the 60 game season. We talk about it from the beginning. It'll be a sprint. Uh, the golf season is kind of obviously done the same thing. It's kind of flipped upside down. That FedEx cup is usually kind of this grind and you got to get there and, you know, 15 tournaments or whatever it typically is. And now it was like, all of a sudden it seemed like it happened so quickly. And so I think that along with what we discussed before with COVID and no fans and things like that, New York tends to have the rowdier fans, just like, you know, Phoenix does for the Phoenix open. And I think, um, we will see some players that maybe don't typically shine in situations like that with a nice calm and quiet golf course and maybe some of the uh, the lack of scheduling. You know, Roy Sabatini, I mean, that guy was sitting on his couch, as you said, and now he's in at Wingfoot. It's kind of like, oh, well, all right, I guess I'll go play the Open because, you know, I'm next in line. But uh, <laughs> But it'll be interesting to see how that routine affects these guys because – it is such a seasonal game. And as you get to be uh, at a higher and higher level as a professional, you love to have that routine. And we've seen how it's affected baseball um, significantly. And, and I'm sure it'll affect some of the golfers here at Wingfoot. What say you, John, would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a both ways deal, you know, a guy that maybe doesn't like it, that doesn't handle the pressure too well of uh, an intense New York atmosphere when it comes to fans is probably really liking it like this. Right. But then there's guys like Tiger or Rory that really feed off of that energy that they, they bring to them. So I, it's, it's a, you know, I think it's, it could go both ways, no matter how you look at it. So Wingfoot is a tough course. You, you, you gave us a note, 7,500 uh, yards, par 70, uh, two par fives that basically have turned into two big par fours, which is pretty impressive. And then the note right after that, one of the toughest U.S. Open courses in history and then there's also a note in there I want to ask you about the mentality of the golfer or maybe the mentality of the looper working with the golfer who with the expectation of going into a major knowing that an even or a plus score could end up winning a major. How's that? I mean, is that even something you talk about before the tournament starts? No, no, they don't. They, they're more or less they're going to break down the golf course and they're not going to worry about score, you know. What they're going to do is they're going to they're going to go play their practice rounds and they're going to come out with a plan, right? This is the plan. We're hitting iron here. We're going to be aggressive here. This is how we're going to play that hole. And you know what? It is what it is. But I I'll love hearing right this now, part, by the way. This place is. A, I mean, nice when I show up at a golf yeah. course, I'm like hack and go. But these guys are actually taking piece <laughs> right, by yeah. piece, chunk by chunk, and mapping it out. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're yeah they're going to come up with a game plan based on where the wind's coming from. How how are we going to play this hole? What happens? What do we do on changing clubs if if the fairways start to turn faster, which means balls can roll into the fairway uh, from the fairway into the into the rough, and and so they have to adjust as the weather adjusts, right? And as the golf course adjusts. But I'll tell you right now, guys, this place is an absolute beast. You guys know when you get on just a regular tight par four, right? Your par five or whatever whatever hole you're playing, and maybe. You're like, you, you, you start to look at the danger, right? You like to see, they're like, oh my gosh, there's trees all down the right side. There's water on the left. Now you're all of a sudden, you're, you're just getting the fairways done. They have, <laughs> shaved these fair, they have shaved these fairways. So when you're on the tee box, it looks like you got to land your driver on a toothpick. Okay. It's Oof. just, 
really, really narrow. And they know if they don't hit the fairway. What I found out last night is that the three inch rough is actually not as playable as people think. Because what happens is usually the rough lays down the direction that you're going with the golf hole, right? But according to these guys, the rough's just straight up and straight down. So oh, man. There's, no grain, there's no grain that's going with your golf shop to help your ball get out of the rough and, and fly towards the hole. So these guys are saying, well, yeah, the three inch is almost just as bad as the four inch, which means these guys are going out sideways. These guys are going, uh, they're looking at it. They're adjusting and saying, what can I get onto this? Where is this going to land me? And well, now I'm actually looking at what is the yardage that we want to this pin on this par four for my third shot. So that's, well, that's what has to come into play there because, uh, you know, five over par, five over par won this golf tournament in 2006 with Jeff Ogilvy. Okay. He hit 30 greens in four days in regulation. Okay. That, that's exactly what seven, this So 72 do. holes, just for everybody listening, right. 72 holes, yeah. 30 yeah. greens in. Yeah, in 30 regulation. to 36 greens. Of, yeah, in regulation. Yeah. And, and by the and, way, it's a second shot. It's the second shot golf course. So once you've hit the fairway, you're not going, whew, it's over with. Now it gets even about, harder because the greens are like, they're all whacked out and balls can roll off fairway, uh, off greens in the, in the crappy areas. And now all of a sudden, you know, not just where you puckering up on your tee shot, now you're puckering <laughs> up on your second shot because you've got to hit it in the right spot. Because if you don't hit it in the right spot, you're looking at a three jiggle or your ball's going off the green and now you're chipping out of stuff that, you know, is above your ankle. So, well, it's, you mentioned two things, two things. One is that the, uh, the guys don't plan on having a score. I, I like that. I mean, if you think about it, the scores will be what they are based on weather and toughness of the course. You can't go in. You, you know you're a whatever, two under, you know, scratch golfer, right? You're an average two under. Your handicap is your handicap. I didn't, I've never heard that before, and that's why you're on this podcast, the looper piece. Like, <laughs> I'm always thinking, yeah, today I'm going to shoot like – I'm going to shoot an 84, you know, and I have no basis for saying that. And so, of course, the higher level <laughs> tip of the sphere you get to – these guys are like, this is what our plan is. We know we got to hit the ball in the right spot. That is super valuable information. The other thing that you mentioned, um, not with Jeff Ogilvy winning it, but you mentioned Billy Casper in your notes, that he won yeah. the golf tournament as well, and he laid up all four days on a par three. I don't think I've no ever, heard of that, too, ever seen it. And if this, <laughs> yeah, so what, what... Is, if this golf course is as difficult as it was then, then, I mean, you know they're making it tougher it'll be interesting to see now with the length, it may be different, but I mean, are they going to lay up on yeah. a par three? No, but because today's world, they're too aggressive. Right. But you think about but it, they right? have to know they where to bail out. Got, right. So it, if, if I'm right, this green, I think it, when Casper played, it was the 12th hole, but they switched nines, I think. So, I mean, you're looking at a golf hole that's kind of, you know, it's banked. Right. So even if you <laughs> are pin high, right. And you got to hit a chip shot or a, a putt pin high you have a chance of putting it all the way off the green, right? Oh, so what man. he thought was, hey, look at if I go up to this hole and I chip up to this hole, I ain't gonna, I'm going to make no more than four, right? So like I said, you know, bogey, you know, it's birdies are going to come very rare. And, you know, if you make a bogey, you can get it back with a birdie. But if you make a double, you got to make two birdies to get that back. And that's, that's where these guys – and I know you guys have done this. Is it one pitch at a time? You know, you know, going up there, Blummer, that this guy throws sliders and, and cut fastballs and, and splitters and, 
and 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 Tuttle, you were on the mound going, okay, I'm just going to take this one pitch at a time in sequence, how I want to be able to strategize to get this guy out. This is exactly what these guys are doing. They're going, they're going to say, what's the tee shot here? Hit it. Not worry about anything else. Go find it and then go, okay, what is the best thing for our second shot here? Do that. And they're just going to do the one shot at a time thing. It, it, they can't just sit there and, and think about, well, if I make four on this, I can go make three, four. Like, they can't do that. Like it's going to, they're done if they do that. So. I was going to say, because I feel like in previous courses, you could say, they, I'm going to go attack this hole, or I can pick up a stroke here if I lose one. You know, there's always that strategy, but it doesn't sound like it on this. Uh, one of the things you said interesting about DJ is he's going to put a driving iron possibly in his bag. Now, there are so many dog legs on this course. Mm -hmm. does, that, does that hurt the longer hitter, or are they going to be able to cut some of these corners? Well, see, I, I think with power nowadays, you, you, you know, power is always going to be the advantage. I don't care if it's, you know, the fairways are 18 yards wide. You know, it is. They're always going to be closer to the green and being able to hit a nine iron or a wedge closer than a guy that is 40 yards, 50 yards back having to chunk a seven or eight iron out, right? So, mm -hmm. but what's, what the deal is, is he can hit that driving iron 290 yards roughly, right? So what happens is if these fairways get fast, he can actually, he'd rather be hitting a six or seven iron into the green than hitting a driver that he might have to chunk a wedge out. So obviously his mindset to put the iron in is I need to keep it on these fairways to be aggressive towards these greens. So he has the length to do that where a guy has to hit like say maybe a Matthew Fitzpatrick or Xander shop. They got to hit their driver to get to 290. And that's going to be a little bit more, it's going to have a little bit more error than it is an iron that he can keep it you know, 60 yards off the, off the fairway and just run it and let it go forever. So, mm -hmm. uh, but that's when it goes back to the dog legs, like you said, Jeff, it, it gets to the point where what do I have to the end of this fairway to where I want to keep it? And I got to make sure I pick that club that's going to run, 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 run and stop prior to that, that L shape left or right, because, you know, that's what these guys are going to do. I don't think you're going to see a lot of guys trying to cut corners here. Yeah, and when you're playing these dog legs, it depends on what what angle they want to take into the pin too, right? Because if they if the pin's changing yep. day to day, then they may not want to hit it as far as they did the day before. Right, so they can take an iron that goes all the way to the right side of the fairway, and all of a sudden the pin's right, and they're not in the right position. So now they have to play completely conservative and at, and try to land front edge or front half in the middle yeah. of the green and try to two putt from 30 feet. That's the problem with this golf course. That shot that he's now put himself into to where it lands just on the front half of the green might be taking a swale now and going off the green and down into crap. That's where these guys, if they're going to be missing iron shots and they're going to be screaming for the ball to go in the bunker because the bunker, you're going to get a great lie, right? You're not going to get crap lies. <laughs> so these guys are going to want, they're going to want to just scream to get in the bunker, get in the bunker if they're not going to hit the green. So. Man, that's well, Glumber, you hit your your driving iron about two ninety also, so you have that in your in your bag. So that's always nice, right? Next time you guys see me on the course, you're going to be shocked because the name I have up right now underneath me is Desham Blum. That's what I'm aiming right. for. <laughs> you're going to have a driving iron in your bag, and, and I do and have a driving iron. I've got a I've got a driving iron in my bag right now, dude. That thing is money. It doesn't go. It goes about. 210, 215, <laughs> if I square it up right now. Is that a driving iron or is that a hybrid? It's a driving iron. Oh, there you go. Look at that. Yeah. It's, it's boy, boy, boy. 
Yeah. Hoy, hoy, well, hoy. I just I, I have no use for a five wood because I can't hit it. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, so I got the driving iron to be, you know, right behind my three wood. You know, yeah, I don't have any go. woods in my bag. I have a three iron and then I have a three wood, I think. I'm not uh, sure I would ever admit to not having wood. Driver. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> you talk, that's you talk about talk about hoy hoy poloi. I don't know if you noticed this, but the, the Danny Noonan, who was in the Caddyshack, yeah. is caddying for a local pro there, which is, Did you see that? It was I awesome. think, just great. Yeah, yeah. New drugs, Danny? So I guess he came out and did a thing on Golf Digest because he uh, he lives in the local area. That's where he's from, and he grew up. His dad's That's awesome. No, his uncle. I think his, no, his brother was the president of Wingfoot at one point. So he's been around that golf. So he gets out, and then a local pro goes, yeah, you know, maybe I'll do it in the first first two rounds. I'll let him, you know, just walk around with me and practice rounds. And all of a sudden, he's like, no, I'm just going to bring him on full bore. So Dang, that's it's awesome. classic. I think, I think it's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What a great so that guy got in from playing, um, coming in the top three in the PGA Club Pro Championship. So, oh, wow. But, Something yeah. for you Good to for aspire to. That gra- I mean, how can you yeah. be on the course with that guy and not go, like the whole time, like the pros are going to be the same thing. It's going to be a He's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, oh, Danny. That's what we're doing when we miss a putt. I'm oh, gonna go, oh, Danny. Not again, Danny. Miss my period. <laughs> You'll have nothing and like it. <laughs> right, exactly. There's too, there's Get your too foot many of that movie, man. Get your foot off the boat. Yeah, exactly. I haven't seen that in a couple of years, so I'm gonna have to pull that one out. Oh again. my gosh! All right, that's great. Johnny, give me some give me some storylines that I'm looking for in this 2020 U.S. Open at Wingfoot, New York. What what are you watching for this weekend, man? Well, I'll tell you. I think the guy that is, the, the the players that are going to be really really uh, successful this week are are going to play a series of holes really good. So I think they're going to play five through twelve really really well. I think that's going to be the key to the golf course. Okay. The the biggest thing is is accepting what it's giving you, right? So they're going to have to have huge patience. I mean, they, they know they're going to make bogeys. They know that there's not going to be a, you know, a guy that's going to make a run and play 72 holes without a bogey, right? They, they know it. So they just, they're going to have to play smart. They're going to have to accept what the golf course gives them. And I, I think the true grinder is the guy that's going to, to win this, this golf tournament because everything possible is going to get thrown at them. And, you know, how do they handle it from that point on? But, you know, I, I threw some key holes in there because five's a, you know, a par five that's been yeah. turned into a par four. So what I, what, what's happened here is these par fives that turned into par fours, you got to understand that they've actually been shaped and built to accept more or less nine irons and down. But now they're par fours and they're getting four irons and three irons and five irons yeah. to get into them. So it's, it, it's going to be unique on how they play these par fives that were turned into par fours because – I mean, you know, and then you get to six, right? So if you can, if you can handle five and then six is a drivable par four, seven is a par three. That's only 165. So that's like eight iron for those guys. Right. And then nine is a par five. So if they can, if they can grind it out through five, right. And maybe they're one over par and then they can maybe get one or two back and right. And then they can get, and then tens of beasts two thirty par three that. (laughs) insane and then you get 11 and 12 so you get another little par forward another par five you know so if they can get through 12 at like even par and then just hold on because 16 through 18 is just is just i mean 
I'm curious to see. I'm going to go through all the scorecards for the guy who wins, and I really want to see how they play 16, 17, and 18. I, I think that's going to be key. This uh, I'm to, not trying to, to ask you to look in your crystal ball, but I mean, then if five over won it in 2006, what's I mean, what kind of score are we looking at for? And maybe Blummer, you have that question too. But well, I mean, what score mm -hmm. should we be looking at, even though these guys are playing it shot by shot? I'm going to say between one and five over par will win the golf tournament. How about that? Over yeah. par. Dang. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And, and, right. and you're going to have some, and you're not going to get the, you're not going to get a win that's going to stay the same. So maybe three days might be from the North and one day from the South. So now they're going to have to deal with wind changes. Right. So um, guys, this golf course, Blummer, I don't know next year when you're on the road, if you can, try to find a way to get there you got to try to do it I mean I it's it's just unbelievable I mean the the way that the greens are shaped I mean it's not over you could hit a green in two and go wow thank goodness I'm on the green you're not done here I mean that's the whole deal you're not yeah. done I mean there's big undulations and you could you could actually sit there and go yeah I'm on the green but I have no chance to hit this 10 feet like it's just going to run off a swale or whatever so that's it's, it's 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 going to be these guys are going to be so mentally exhausted after the rounds over with it's just it's crazy and so that's that's kind of how yeah. I see it happening um and that's, I want that's to say what we, there was only one time and one time in all the opens that it was under par maybe I think it's always been over par there so oh my yeah. gosh yeah but I think you brought wing foot wing foot's, a, wing foot's <laughs> so go ahead no go ahead. finish it man Wingfoot's, Wingfoot's like one of those golf clubs where they don't want anybody to go shoot under par, right? And then you give yeah, there's the, a certain the arrogance range. to be to holding one of these right, things, right? Right, and then and then you give the range to the U.S. Open, which they're like, hey, we always want to be the hardest major of them all, right? And the rough is so, this, like you said, the fairways uh, are this wide. It's it's ridiculous, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you talked about them being mentally exhausted. That's how I felt the Olympia Fields BMW Championship that they did play in Chicago. Those guys look gassed by the end of the whole thing, man. I know it was the middle of summer. It was probably hot. But, I mean, they look like – they kept staring at their book going, wait, what? What? Where's the break? Where do I got to go? I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, and, and you, you're having to look at shots where you're going, I can't go at the pin. That's impossible. I can't hit this chip shot at the pin. So, now I got to go over 25 feet left just so I can try to make a 25-footer. And, and their, that's their greens weren't as because undulated short, as wing foot. Right. So if you short side yourself here and you grab, grab, a, grab a bad lie, you seriously could be chipping a couple more times after that because the ball could be <laughs> landing and then catching a ridge and going all the way down. And, you know, it oh, could just boy. could be absolutely, yeah, it, it can get crazy. So, um, you know, that, that's, right. yeah. So we, we realize so like, this is going to so, be a so, tough so, so, yeah. So yeah, the, the key here is, you need, you need to make a lot of 12 to 15 footers. And the guys that putt really well here are going to be the guys that are going to be in the top. So that's going to be the right. key because you're going to have a lot of 12 to 15 footers for birdies and pars. So, All right. I've got some odds here that I've, I took a picture or a screenshot for myself. Maybe I'll pass it on to our social Nostra network to put up there. But who you got? Who, who are you riding with here in this uh, U.S. Open championship? John Adams. You're next, Tuttle. Well, I've got, I've got uh, you know, you have your top three, right? You're going to have your Dustin Johnson. You're going to have your Justin Thomas. You're going to have your John Rahm. I mean, those, those guys are just those playing are the at the top, top three. of their level. Like, 
the the top three, right? So so out, out of those guys, I, I like Dustin and I like Justin due to the fact that I think the patience might get to Rom, right? If he starts hitting some shots, he's still totally got that agree. Spanish fire in him. And I, I, I think he, <laughs> he – but um, I think a guy like DJ is just so hard to throw out. But a Justin Thomas is a complete grinder. And so if I'm going to take one of those two guys, I'll, I'll, I'll lean towards Justin. I think he should have been player of the year. But, again, what DJ has done in the last four tournaments, I totally understand why he got the votes, right? So – Yep. So Justin is my top guy. Uh, my two sleepers, right? I, I love your sleepers. Are always good, sleepers, dude. Right? Yeah. Yep. I am gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take Brendan Todd. Right? There's a guy. He's actually plays pretty consistent, but he's what? in the top five in driving ac- driving accuracy. He knows how to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other guy that I, I I like that hits a really straight and just he plays well on really hard golf courses is the Englishman. Matthew Fitzpatrick. So okay. those are my two sleepers. Um, but again, you can't go wrong with a guy like Justin Thomas and, and, and DJ. They're just, you know, they're, yeah. you know, it is what it is. You know, you could right. also throw Alexander Shoffley in there. You could throw a couple other guys, but well, good those are my two there. sleepers. Yeah. All right. So the, the pro is spoken now Tuttle, what does your amateur golf golfer instinct tell you? <laughs> um, and don't pick the guy that's on your shirt because he ain't playing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, John Daly. He's there fighting you go. something else. So yeah. it's yeah. funny It's funny that you mentioned that. I did have some guys and some thoughts, and I just now looked up the odds. So, And there, some of them are decently on here. You know, I was yeah. – I picked Dustin Johnson last time, and yeah. I was like, it's so easy to pick him. In the back of my mind before I got John's notes and for what he said, but I thought Thomas, I thought JT was the guy. So in my favorite group, I just think he is, yeah, he's young. He hits the ball far enough, but he is, he's kind of a grinder. He doesn't get in his own head. He's super competitive. I I just, so in the favorite group, I like him and, you know, go figure everybody in the country is going to have either DJ or JT. So um, Finau is always on my list. I don't know why. Um, I don't know much about him, his style for this course. But um, I, I feel like his emotions are pretty good. I mean, you wrote a couple of things or when you were speaking, John, play smart, be patient, and you have to be a good putter. Well, just like in baseball, the guys that throw 100 miles an hour aren't really good with the location. And the guys that are, you know, really good at dot and location don't typically have the velocity. But the guys that are the best in the world and most successful have both. So, I mean, you already mentioned a couple of those guys, but I mean, they got to be patient. They got to be smart and they have to be good putters. So I have um, a few long shots in there. Um, I hate Patrick Reed, but I think that he just doesn't care about, <laughs> I, I just think he doesn't care. And he kind of is a grinder. You know, he's got his whole family on the outskirts of his life. And he's just like, I, I you know, and, and I know he can putt. So I, I think Patrick Reed's in that mix. And, um, and, and honestly, Jason Day, since his back got better. So those mm-hmm. are my kind of Jason Day. Um, Patrick Reed, who I don't want him to win, but you know, I can throw him in the mix and Tony Fino. Those are my guys. I don't know if they fit all three of the uh, qualifications that you yeah, laid out. Fien- yeah. I think Fino has been struggling a little bit with the putter, but uh, other than that, everything else is, is, is game on. I agree with you. So if he gets hot with the putter that week, I think for sure he could be in contention. Yeah. No doubt. And then, and just to Pat- finish that last thought, we talked about the confidence. You mentioned that. I think every Bleacher Blums podcast, we talk about that. You can be the best in the world is something. If your confidence is shot, you know, it just goes away. So I think that's the other, the X factor, right? Like you said, if he sees a couple putts go in on day one, 
dude, I mean, some of these guys just, they walk around like they're bulletproof. And we've seen that in all aspects of professional sports. So I think whoever gets the confidence out of those guys specifically on the first day can really carry it through. So Blummer, the yeah. expert, you got the odds. You've been staring. Yeah. At the last, you know, the so. winner from last, the last major. So, you know, yeah. this is like, this go. is like a tap. It's like a tap in birdie form. <laughs> all right. So that being said, I know DJ is the favorite. He is uh, eight to one to win. But I'm on, I'm on the same page that you guys are. And it's kind of funny that John brought up the Olympia Fields uh, championship for the BMW uh, championship. Uh, for whatever reason, I got locked in on that one. I think it was because everybody was struggling so bad. But, you know, eventually Colin Marikawa did well in that. But JT ends up winning that thing. And I think it's because JT, he was making more of the in, in-game adjustments for me. I think he had an idea of what he wanted to do. But you could see a couple of holes where he, he kind of jacked him up a little bit or put himself in a bad spot. And the next time he played the hole, made the adjustment, switch shot, got in a different spot, and ended up making some of those putts. So I'm all in on JT. JT is the guy that's going to go out there and win at 14 to 1. John Rahm is 10 to 1. But, man, dude, I am so with you with the Spanish fire in this dude. I've seen that dude snap more than I've seen him win. So I, I'm just mm-hmm. not – I'm not fired up on him. I love his game. But there's just moments where I'm like, here comes the putter toss. You know, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. But he's been <laughs> – my dogs are in the room. Whoa! Hey, yeah, I don't think she likes. Hey, they don't like John Rom either, so you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on a sec. This is a twenty. What they call a twenty-second timeout. <laughs> is that the new one? No. Yeah, Mama's home and she wants to go say hi to Mama. There, hey, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, the uh, legendary uh, Corey Blum, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. yeah. Who hey. do you have on that? What's Corey's pick? Hey. I like John Rom. No. Okay. okay. So John Rom snaps, snaps like my dog does when people come in the house. <laughs> my my sleeper is going to be Tommy Fleetwood. Ooh. Ah. I just yeah, I, I, I like the way he strikes the ball. I love the yeah. you know the the kind of like the the degenerate flow in the back background. Yeah. And uh, I like his ball flight with the wind and things going on. Yeah. Touchdown, Tommy Jesus. There. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, if he drives the ball really well, I mean, he's a flat-out ball striker. And that's that's one thing that uh, I was looking into is, you know, you've got to be a ball striker to win this golf tournament. I mean, look, they all hit it really well, right? But that that guy is a ball striker, and he does well with majors. So if he drives the ball really well, I think that's a great pick. I, I do. I, I do like that. The one thing about, like, some of these guys, right, and if you notice the golf course, is these guys are like, I hit fades, I hit fades, I hit fades, I hit draws. Like mm-hmm. Rory, right? Rory goes like this. Rom's like this. But the golf course goes like this, right? Man, yeah, it goes so both there's ways. Golf courses, so you're going to have to be able to shape balls right to left, even though your golf shot is this. So um, I like – that's a good pick. There, That's a good pick. Look at that. I almost threw him in the mix. I almost did, but I didn't. Yeah. So you know who's going to win. I threw everybody Tommy Fleetwood. The- yeah. yeah, I threw everybody <laughs> Just go ahead and mark it down. Put your money Write out there. Write it down, folks. Write it down. By the way, what are hey, those odds? Let me get on the bookie right now. What's the, what's, what's the oh, odds? Me, hold on a sec. I actually looked those up. got to be out there. Purpose. Um, he's at 75. Not too bad. 25 to 1. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Enough to go out what there a, and win a little bit of cash. Yeah. What about Reed? What's he? Um, Reed. I don't know if he's even on this list. Good. Did you see the note that Reed came out in a He's not on it. Uh, paper and said it was – the worst rough he's ever seen in the U.S. Open. I did see yeah. that. Oh, my. Awesome. Yeah. So, he's already intimidated yeah. then. All right. <laughs> right. So, the, go- the golf yeah. is out of the way. We're all – you're two West Coast guys. I'm out here in the in the third coast with Houston. 
holding on by the skin of their teeth in the West, the Astros are. So I've got to ask you guys, who's going who's gonna to win the West? Are the Astros – well, we know the A's are going to win the West. Can we just go ahead and give in on that? Well, yeah, they, they just got a, they got Tommy LaStella, the, the ex-Angel. Of course they they're going to win Tommy the West, Lestella, right? They got Jake Lamb they just signed because Chapman's yeah. hurt. I think they're going to be okay. So do, you, do the Astros end up holding on to second place after getting swept by the Anaheim Angels? Or California Angels, uh, or where Los the Angeles. Heck Angels? <laughs> was east of LA, south of Orange. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I don't think. Look, at, we're seller, we're sellers, right? And we just we started dumping guys for you know the player to be named later. Uh, so no, I, I don't think so. I think it's all about us trying to get you know the guys like the Adels, the Abats, and stuff like that. And you know, we'll, no, I don't, for next I don't year, see that lineup is crazy good, dude. I think it's got potential, but I mean, when look at I, I don't mean to bring these guys down, but I thought Bundy's had a hell of a year, right? But when you put Bundy and Haney out out on the market, right? They're they're three four guys in good staffs, right? They're not mm-hmm. one two guys. So the depth in our pitching and our bullpen has just been, you know, it it is what it is, right? It's terrible. It's probably still the worst in Major League Baseball, and I don't. You know, I think they're dumping all this money just because I think they want to go out and spend a lot of money and getting uh, and uh, a one-two guy, right? If you go a one-two yeah. guy, and then you and, and then maybe possibly Otani's your your five guy. I mean, it's it's not a bad staff, right? Um, no, right. Bun- especially with the actually, offense. That offense is going to score. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with little Fletcher coming back too. I know he's on the IL, but. You know, I the, the deal with you guys is like, yes, I think you're going to make it, but your pitching staff, your your bullpen, and your middle relief is just like, yeah, not oh, good man. tonight, right? So, you so long. I just – I don't see how long you're going to go, right? Um, but I'll tell you the team that I'm starting to grow on. Dude, the Padres are Dude, really good. The pod squad's <laughs> killing it, man. <laughs> They're really good. And then they go out and get Clevenger. I mean, you know, yeah. he's floating around Chicago on a, on a Saturday night and gets nailed, right? But A couple of lefties, I mean, yeah, it was too well. Yeah. You, and you got Garrett Richards down there. And, and you know, I, they're, they're sneaky. Like, I don't think you want to – If dude, they're hot going into this – The guy uh, that pitched last night against a daughter struck out 11, that dude's nasty. Yeah, and you got Tatis hitting bombs left and right, and Machado to help, and Hosmer mm-hmm. for I mean, it's and you got a good catcher there. Um, yep, kid from El Toro High School. So yeah, Castro. Yeah, no, Castro has actually just got traded down. So there's a kid in front of him. He Jason's now the backup. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, kid went to El Toro High School, but uh, it's it, they're good. How many good. kids from El Toro High School are in the big no league? Kidding. By the way, yeah, jeez, like. Hey, you can yeah. do that. That's like there's like yeah. four dudes from the same high school. Like, come on, that well, never happened. Well, I think uh, didn't Nolan play short while, uh, while what's his name? Uh, uh, Chapman. Chapman played third. Was it a Chapman? Yeah, team? yeah. Two Chapman. best third Chapman. basemen in the league yeah. on the same team. Dude, Nolan that, was a shortstop I mean, in the big yeah. leagues. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, so yeah. and then Nolan anyway. came in, and those guys came in and relieved too. They came in throwing ninety to yeah. Strike out the oh, side damn. on the seventh you inning yeah, in high school. Yeah. So what a high school team. Um, um I yeah. will just let me throw my two cents in on that. The Astros will get in, but I think that's based on maturity and you know some of the superstars they have. But like I said, limping into the playoffs is not a good place to be because I don't see them lasting yeah. because we always talk about pitching and defense. So um John made a really good point about the Angels in terms of having three, four starters instead of one, two starters, but their plan's coming into place. They got, you know. 
the um, uh, the kid from Washington, Anna, Anaheim. Who was their guy this year that they signed? Uh, Rendon. Rendon, yeah. thank you. I yeah. love. So yeah. you have Rendon and you have Trout, and you're starting to add these pieces. So they've got a two or three year plan, and if they can get, like you said, the money aside for like a number one or a number two starter, all of a sudden you got three or four guys. They'll look good. The Astros just don't have it. I mean, if Verlander came back, that would still be. Um, That's you know, still the that, same that thing. Would, yeah, it's still it's still kind of like one game. So he could throw seven innings, and then what do you have? So I, I you know, they might limp into the playoffs, but it is kind of nice to talk about young baseball teams. The Angels in a couple of years. You were talking about. We talked about the Mariners off air a little bit. Um, the Padres are really fun to watch. We talked about last time with the blackouts as I can't watch the Angels or the Dodgers, but closer yeah. to me are the Padres and they're not blacked out. So I turn on the yeah, Padres. I love it. Yeah. They're fun to watch. And they've got the guy that um, reminds me of Hader. They got mini Hader, that oh, left-handed yeah. guy. He's nasty he's too. I mean, he comes out, he's got that sweeping slider. So you got mm -hmm. that guy. I mean, they got a good but see, squad in there. But you see, know, what, what that comes down to, Dave, to be honest with you, is they got good scouting, right? And I don't think the Angels have very good scouting. I think they all just want to bring Huge. names in for big contracts. And, and when it comes to when it comes to possibly doing a trade, we have nobody to offer, you know? And, yeah. and yeah, you know, I think I've been vocal about this with Blummer. But, yeah, you know, Justin, Ups, uh, Ups, he's, a, he's a nice guy. But he's, he's he like, it's a big contract. I mean, I think we signed Pujols for too many years. But uh. – it, it's just it's just something that is it's almost like dead weight you know and yeah and we can't wait for those contracts to go and you can't let Upton go somewhere else because he's hitting a buck 80 with like five home runs and nobody wants a contract so like it's, right. you know well that and, and I agree so let's add a little layer to the scouting piece Blummer and I talk about this all the time look at the way the organizations we've talked about um, analytics versus scouting some yeah. teams are just late to get to the party. And, you know, it's funny because I know the GM of the Angels. He was a scout with the Rockies. He's actually moved his way up. But Jace Tingler got a lot of heat when he got the job. Like, who's this guy? You know, and they're like, hey, we want this guy to manage our team. Their GM's solid. And they got a lot of good young talent. And they trust the process, right? And now look where that put them. Whereas it looks like you said, the Angels have kind of gone the old school mentality. Like, we're going to get here. We're 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 South Los Angeles team. We're going to get some names and we're going to pay some money. And, and the big kind of, I guess, wild card in that is that it sounds like the Padres ownership, like most, like Jerry Jones does this, is uninvolved. They got a GM and a manager they trust. and They let them do the baseball stuff. Anytime something happens in Anaheim, Artie Moreno's in the headlines saying, well, we wanted to go this route with two or three guys, but guess what? We have Albert Pujols for 20 years and he's going to be a lifetime ambassador. It's like, Great, but that doesn't win us games, and it doesn't endear you to the fans at all. And I, am I wrong by saying the Dodgers really focus on, in the scouting part of it, is putting great pitchers in their in their minors? And you know they have a lot of they have a lot of dog uh, pitchers that come up through their system, and and you know become great pitchers and and you know down the road. And I just don't know if the Angels are doing that, to be honest with you. I know they got the kid that's up now from UCLA. Um, that that you know is like their three four guy um and he's doing okay but he i mean i think he's learning how to pitch you know in the majors and i think next year he's going to be even better but um i i don't know i just think that we are not our scouts aren't really doing a great job in finding solid pitching for the future i love how you say our scouts blummer what say you we've talked about that a bunch like you've had that yeah. with the astros all year and that with the 60 game season We've had a ton of guys learning how to, you know, perfect their craft in the big leagues. And that's certainly watered down the product for every team. But I think ultimately that's what's going to kind of be the hindrance there for the Astros and maybe some other teams. What do, you, what do you think about what John said? First things first, 
not having scouts be able to go to these games and advance scout for some of these ball clubs and having to do it on TV is a joke. There's plenty of room in the stands to put these scouts in the stands and let them do their business. Right. The, Good point. The, sec, the second thing is, is with all of the young guys that we're seeing in Major League Baseball, we see the talent. All three of us, all the fans that watch these games see the talent so they know it's there. So that puts a lot of emphasis on the fact that there's no minor league baseball season this year. And it just exposes the fact of how necessary minor league baseball is for development of these guys. They need to get their reps. They need to get the coaching and they need to hone their craft because the talents there add the refinement, then they become big leaguers. And uh, you know, that's probably the two biggest things for me. The third thing for the, for the angels is I completely agree with uh, Artie Moreno. Sometimes he gets a little uh, grandiose and wanting to have the big name and thinks the big name will put tickets or sell tickets and put butts in the seats. It will for a little while, but it won't do it for the long term, like you're talking about with the Albert Pujols. I think a lot of the shine is off Albert, even though he's putting up Hall of Fame numbers, and I think it's miraculous that he's tied with Willie, Man Willie Mays with home runs with 660. Those are things I want to see in the game. But if you're an, if you're an Angels fan, be honest, are you showing up every game just in the hopes he hits that home run? Or have you given up on the fact that he's just older, he's slower, he's not the same guy, and he, now he's just kind of a, you know, he's just kind of a statue. He's just a bust. He's just a Hall of Fame bust. And I mean that in the sense of yes. what goes in the Hall of Fame, not like a bust bust, but, you know, you're paying a to see a legend bust, instead of yes. the actual guy. You know, I'll be I'll, I'll be honest with you. The records don't mean anything to me. I, I don't I don't look into that. You know what puts guys in the seats? W's, W's put guys in the seats. Look at it's you Southern for California that, because that's There's, ultimately what Southern the California have done and everybody and they're a front runner, right? Everybody's a front runner here. So when you they don't <laughs> care if Joe, I mean they don't care if Joe you know Joe whoever is playing first base if he's hitting bombs, you know, yeah. You know, Wally Joyner, right? We didn't know who Wally Joyner was in his rookie season. He has a hell of a year, right? So I don't I don't care who's playing. I care about W. So, um, you know, yeah, I think Albert was a good choice for the first five years. Now, I don't look – I don't – when he gets up, I don't say, oh, my gosh, this is going to be great if he hits his home run. It's like don't hit into a double play because because <laughs> the guy from left field could turn two on you, you know? Yeah. So. All right, boys. That's just my you, you said. No, you're absolutely right. You, you guys have been amazing. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking with Johnny. I'm glad to see you're doing well and your game's getting better. I'm working on I'm working on uh, my club face, getting square to the golf ball right now nice. so that I can absolutely nice. bomb. And uh, we're, we're getting there. So always good chatting with you, Johnny. I hope you do well, man. I look forward to talking to you again because the is the Masters next? Yes, the Masters is next. All right. Good time with you too, Tuttle. Why don't you take us home? I'm going to say peace out right now to Johnny and to all the fans of the Bleachers. And you take us home. Nice, folks. Thanks for joining us on the uh, yeah. the golf special of the Bleacher Blums podcast. And um, you know what we always ask you to do. This specifically this week, we want you to get on the golf course and get after it. And those people.